Hi guys, and welcome to Oh Crumbs, the gluten-free podcast. With me, Sarah Howells, the gluten-free blogger. And me, Laura Strange, my gluten-free guide. Hello everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Oh Crumbs, the gluten-free podcast. And we're super excited to finally be launching this podcast because it feels like it's been forever in the making and we're so grateful for all the amazing support that we've had so far. And with this podcast series, we wanted to bring something really positive to the gluten-free world. Each episode, we'll be meeting some fantastic guests with a range of different perspectives on gluten-free life. Now, both Laura and I have celiac disease, so we'll definitely be drawing on our own experience of that. But each week, we'll also be speaking to some awesome people who have a range of different conditions like celiac disease, IBS, Crohn's, IBD, children with allergies, and so much more. And we want them to tell you how to stay positive on a gluten-free diet. So positivity really is one of the key reasons we started this podcast. A lot of people can find starting a gluten-free diet very daunting and there's a lot of negativity swirling around in the gluten-free world. We want to show you guys it can actually be one big food adventure. So as part of this, one thing we would really love to do is answer any questions that you guys have about being gluten-free or celiac or anything like that. You can drop us an email at ocromspodcast at gmail.com with your questions and we'll do our very best to answer them. We love a question and um, actually we've already had some come through on our Instagram so we wanted to answer one of those for you guys today. Um, Sarah, shall I fire away with our first question? Fire away? I feel so professional. So one of our followers on Instagram asked us um, I'd love some advice educating family who don't really understand gluten-free yeah that's a good one Um, that must be really difficult if you're the only person in the house Um, I think we're both quite lucky aren't we Laura that we've got really understanding family yes and like my mum is celiac as well so if I go home to my uh, my parents house it's really easy and then my in-laws aren't but they are super understanding and wonderful always kind of accommodate my dietary requirements so I can't complain but I know that's not the situation for everyone so we've got some handy tips that we wanted to share. So one thing that we thought is really important is to stick to your guns like if you have a special diet such as being gluten-free you need to make sure that you stick to it and you don't cheat on it or deviate because if family and friends see you cheating like every now and then they probably won't take it seriously so you need to kind of like reiterate how important it is to them that you have to keep really strict to your gluten-free diet yeah and then the second point is be patient now I know that's easier said than done it can be really frustrating to have to repeatedly explain your condition or to have to kind of watch people like a hawk when they're preparing something in the kitchen but it will pay off eventually um also brace for being described at some point as oversensitive or dramatic especially when you're arguing with a sibling um but just just breathe and plow on there is nothing worse than being labeled as the fussy eater which i think is why it's really important as well to like educate your family mm-hmm. uh, places like see uk have a really handy guide about how to prepare gluten-free food safely so it might just be that they're a bit nervous about doing it and perhaps you need to just help educate them and we can link to that in our show notes so you can send it to any family or friends who are preparing food for you and it might just help them and make them feel a bit more comfortable and ultimately worst case scenario and you just don't feel comfortable in that situation take your own food round when visiting relatives or in-laws it might seem a bit awkward at first but 
better to do it that way than be really poorly. Um, or if it's living family members that are the problem, learn to cook some tasty recipes and gluten-free meals for yourself. Um, there's plenty of inspiration on the internet. Both Sarah and I have lots of gluten-free recipes on our websites and those are linked in the show notes as well. Um, so hopefully by following these tips, you'll be in good stead to uh, have a nice, happy, gluten-free family life. And actually, that links really well to our main part of the podcast, which is our interview with our guest, Jane Devonshire, who actually offers some really interesting insights into living as a family when only one of you is gluten-free. We're so excited to have Jane on the podcast today. For those of you who aren't familiar with her, she won MasterChef in 2016, basically cooked, I think, every meal apart from one of her dishes was gluten-free. Stealth gluten-free is the best. Uh, Jane is also author of brilliant cookbook, Hassle-Free, Gluten-Free, and her son, Ben, has celiac disease. And we had an amazing time meeting Jane. Um, She's so lovely, and we really hope that you enjoy this chat as much as we did. Okay, so we're here with Jane Devonshire. Hi, Jane. Hiya. Very excited to have Jane today. So thank you so much for giving up your time to speak to us. Oh, no, it's Um, lovely, and um, great to see you both. Thanks. Travelled down to where were we? Hampshire. 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 In my head, I'm like, we're in Devon. No, no, we're not. We're Hampshire. Um, and you very lovely house Thank uh, you. with the cutest dogs in the world running around. I yeah. know you'll probably get three cats. Probably one of them usually comes and sits on my shoulder half every Sunday night. We'll have to put a picture with them on the podcast. <laughs> we will. They're <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I guess should we kick off, Sarah? Yeah. Do you want to fire away? Yeah. So we've obviously come to talk to you um, because of your son Ben mm-hmm. has celiac disease. Do you want to kind of talk us through a bit about how that got diagnosed? Because he's 17 now, isn't he? But I understand he was diagnosed when he was about two. Is that right? Yes, yeah, he was. Um, Ben was just really sick as a child um, and really... It was one of those frustrating things because he was on the correct percentile in the red book. I kept saying he's not thriving, but he's a big, he's always been tall. He's quite a big person. Um, It seemed like nobody was listening to me. And uh, I was really upset. He just cried 24 7. And I was so glad that I was an experienced mum. I think if he'd been my first, I would have just been panicking, Mm -hmm. thinking I was doing everything wrong. And I kept going back to the doctor, and the doctor kept um, trying to prescribe me antidepressants. And saying, well, of course, I wasn't coping because I had four children. And actually, I wasn't coping because I wasn't sleeping. And I knew I had a sick child. Mm. And I was literally at my wit's end. And bizarrely, in the middle of all this, we we were moving. And moving to a house, as you can see, which is a building size still. Beautiful house. But it's, you know, and everyone was saying, you're mad. You know, what are you going to do? And ironically, it was the best thing we ever did because we registered with a new doctor who I remember going into just bursting into tears and instead of trying to give me antidepressants, actually sat and listened to me and said, okay, he took a look at Ben, sent us off and within three months we had a diagnosis and I have to say within six months our life had completely changed. I had a really happy, beautiful, really laid back temperament child um, whereas he'd been so vicious and so angry and so nightmare that literally nobody wanted to look after him and I think it was really affecting our family life as well so for me um it it sounds so silly now and I can't believe it people often question me when I say it but I was so relieved when he was diagnosed because mm. I knew it wasn't something worse I know it's a lifelong autoimmune condition but I also knew as someone who loved cooking that I could physically do something to make him well and I think that's what you want to do as a mum yeah so as much as it's heartbreaking that he's got this by the same token uh, 
it was incredible that he got diagnosed when he did. And I know a lot of people who struggle because they've not been diagnosed and it's called long-term health defect problems. Whereas with Ben, luckily we jumped on it and we got him diagnosed early enough. Yeah, I think that sense of frustration mm. and then relief is really common for people. I know, yeah. like person, we, we both felt that. It's the not knowing what's wrong, not knowing mm. how to treat it. And also that you referred to that potluck of what, who, whether your local GP is aware of things or, or willing to kind of help mm. and not look into the problem more deeply. So that's... Yeah. It's great that he got diagnosed. And I, I am forever grateful that I, because if I would have gone down the antidepressant route, and there is nothing wrong with that, if that's what you need, I'm yeah. not suggesting, but I didn't need that. I needed help with him yeah. and somebody to look at him and not judge me because I had a baby that was constantly screaming and a bit skinny. Um, and it is, it's a real frustration, I think. And I go to lots of the shows, I go to all the allergy shows, I go to lots of the smaller groups with Celiac UK, um, all around the country, and it's a constant thing that you hear you know the frustration with uh, people aren't getting diagnosed mm-hmm. um and it is getting better but I know to begin with and even when Ben was first diagnosed 15 years ago now it was unheard of really nobody really knew what it was and the times have changed in a great way very quickly which is good as well so mm-hmm. then how did you find it with obviously because now gluten-free products are quite prevalent and common in the supermarkets back then they are I know personally I had to go to the doctor to get them on a prescription. Mm. Um, how did you start that journey of, okay, I have to feed my son a gluten-free diet now. I have to educate myself in what gluten-free mm. is. Well, I looked at it very much. I, we were having this conversation earlier. I really looked at it and I thought, well, I love to cook. It's my passion. And mm. I know how lucky I am that I, I do have that passion. And I, I understand ingredients and how to put things together. But I thought, I've sat and taught myself to cook Middle Eastern food, I've read Ossolengi's books, I've taught myself to make pasta, Italian, all these things which are outside my comfort zone. I can do this with gluten-free. So to me, I just looked at it as teaching myself a different way to cook. And originally, Ben sat there and he ate different food because I didn't know how else to manage it. But it became very, I think two things really became apparent to me. One, I didn't want to feed him what was given to us because the bread then, to be honest, in a tin was frankly disgusting. Oh, okay. oh, I and the when you went, when even the birds when you eat it, when you put it out, <laughs> yeah, the dog yeah, who the eats everything, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, no, I'm not. And the smell as well. And I remember cooking pasta and it just smelled and it was disintegrating. Yes, and I'm thinking, the disappearing pasta. Yeah. Oh, and I so once made pasta and then. It's just like soup. We've all been there. And I I very quickly thought, no, this isn't happening. He needs proper food. He needs proper home-cooked food. Mm -hmm. So I think my initial thing was to go back to cooking real basics, like my mum had taught me to cook, making my own stocks, making chicken soups, roast dinners, everything. Used cornflour to thicken sauces, so I wasn't worried about a roux anyway. Um, But went right back to basics cooking. And then over the years, gradually evolved it into more so but I've also got three other children and for me the biggest thing was I suddenly realized that for me food has always been about in in everybody being inclusive and sitting around the big table and eating I come from a big family I've got four children suddenly you sit down you've got a child who's sat at the end eating something completely different and it broke my heart and I thought this isn't happening in my house whatever we eat it's going to be inclusive and he's going to eat the same and to begin with, what I got was the other three going, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> Why have we got to eat this? Just because, and they're lovely kids, but they were kids, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't like this pizza. This is horrible. Kids all have their moments. Yeah. And <laughs> the, happy adults oh, also yeah. do. Turn. Yorkshire pancakes for years. I could not, I just had this, this thing, oh, we've got Yorkshire pancakes in my mum. Uh, and when you get that one right, you're like, yeah. 
So to me, the big thing was we were talking about the pizza recipe. When I managed to give them something, and they're still going out meeting with their friends, so they knew what the other stuff tasted like, and they didn't complain. And they were saying, this is really yum, mum. I knew I cracked it. Because yes. if it tasted like it should, then I got it and right. kids are the harshest critics. You know if it's really not are. good, they're going to tell you. <laughs> exactly. And this is the thing. People always say to me, you know, how do you critique your food or anything else? I critique it if the other three don't moan. <laughs> and they go, oh, this is nice, mum. Then I'm like, yes, I've got a gluten-free recipe that works. Um, and that, that, to me, was the big rule of thumb as well. It had to be inclusive. I was not going to feed Ben a different meal. Yeah. Time-wise, I didn't have the time. Yes, but food shouldn't be about that. Food should be about everyone eating together. Yeah, um, and so there was a number of things that it, it threw up, and it did take a long time. You know, he was two. Um, there were things that we got really wrong, like the Yorkshire pancakes, biscuits. <laughs> oh my gosh, biscuits for years were just a nightmare. And then you find you've got to change your flat, and you you learn like anything. Yeah, you, you learn. So yeah, it was an interesting. So how did you find like it kind of? having been growing up gluten-free, was it quite easy when, for example, he went to school and other kids were eating things that he couldn't? How was his sort of reaction to that? Um, at times frustrated, but I think one thing with him is the couple of times he has been glutened, he's been so, so sick. So people will say, you're going to struggle with it, but I think he knows how we had one particularly bad instance last year in a restaurant we'd eaten at for years, and it made him so ill that he is very good at self- of understanding it's incredibly frustrating. Um, at the moment, he's coming to the age where he wants to try a beer. And no, he can't try a beer. So <laughs> big thing when you're coming up to 18 or whatever. Yeah, I can recommend some good glue. There you go. Exactly. But, you know, it's silly things. But I think when kids are all going off to pizza or McDonald's, it's really, or any of those fast food restaurants, it's really, really difficult when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So I remember times when people would have a pizza party at a birthday making party, and he just couldn't go. Even yeah. if they gave him a gluten-free base, to be surrounded by all of that, he couldn't go. So it's quite exclusive. But I always tried then to make sure if he did go anywhere, I would pack him up his packed lunch, and I basically made sure he was ruined. So he had all those things in there that you shouldn't give them. So that when everybody, he opened up his box, everybody was like, oh, wow, you've got meringues. Oh, wow, you've got this. Oh, yeah, you know, to, to try and make it so he felt special. So he's got different. That's great. As particularly um, if you're going to be the different one, might as well be the, exactly. have a better version of it. And it's, it's a kid's party. You know, they're going to come back hyper on sweets and yeah. numbers and gosh knows, all those things, that, you know. And I just really took that, that we were going to make it, that he was going to have special you know, and um, we really tried, and things like um, bake sales after school, Mm. nightmare, everybody goes up there 50p to buy a few cakes, and he can't, so I'd always make sure that there was quite a lot there that he could buy, and it was always wrapped and labelled, and he would actually be buying my cakes, but, you know, it didn't matter, (laughs) he he made sure that whatever, I was quite lucky with school, I know a lot of people struggle with school dinners, um, we were reasonably lucky with that, but a lot of the time it was packed lunches, I must yeah. admit, because everybody else gets a choice, and that's the other thing. Everybody else gets a choice on the menu, and you've only got one thing that you can eat, yeah. and you're thinking, actually, I don't like that, or I don't really fancy that. And similar with school dinners, so it was much easier to cook. That's why we became the muffin queen, so I give him savoury muffins. Oh, so he didn't look different. Again, <laughs> you know, in his packed lunch, he wasn't sitting there eating something completely different. He could have a cheese and pickle muffin or something. Yeah. Mm. He just looked like he was eating what everybody else was. Yeah, finding good alternatives to mm. that, yeah. Yeah, cheese and pickle muffins. Sounds amazing. <laughs> 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 um, and so does anyone else in your family have celiac disease? Have your other kids been tested? Or- they, they have. No, yeah. they're fine. Um, and we don't 
Um, there are a number of reasons why we think Ben was um, quite ill when he was born, and he had to have antibiotics at a very, as a very, very small baby, like days old. Yeah. Um, but you, you just don't know. The other thing is, you know, on my dad's side, everybody always had a dodgy tummy. Oh, you know, she got right. a weak stomach. You yeah. don't know what that was, um, and you have no idea because yeah. they didn't even test for mm-hmm. it. And if they did, they certainly didn't think to test anybody. We're the—he's the first one we know of, certainly. Um, but you know, you just live with it, really, don't you? It's, oh, totally. It's just food. And then the yeah. positive is, if anyone else develops celiac disease later down the line, you know, you're an hour pro at catering <laughs> celiacs and knowing what to do. And I think yeah. it's sometimes like doing that the first person to have it. It's yes. a big learning curve for everyone. Definitely. Yeah. And we all make mistakes. I mean, that was the thing. And I always took the view that I did, the last thing I wanted to do was make Ben sick. But by the same token. It, thank God it wasn't like a peanut allergy, you know, where one thing was going to kill him. Okay, he was going to have a very sore tummy and he was going to be very, very poorly. And I would do everything in my power to avoid that. But not to beat yourself up if you do have the old trip, because that's that's part of life. And you could go and eat mussels and have a dodgy one, end up with a dodgy tummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to try and put it in perspective and not over panic. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's horrible. But as long as you're managing your diet 99.9% of times, please don't beat yourself up if you do get the odd you know, hiccup. Yeah, mm. it I happens. think that's a good way to look at it. Mm. So when you're cooking at home, um, how do you kind of deal with things like cross-contamination? Is this, is your kitchen completely gluten-free? Does yeah. everyone eat? It's completely gluten-free. So the, the fridge in here and the bread bins and the toaster and everything else is gluten-free. In my utility room is a sin bin, which has got gluten bin. <laughs> gluten bin, <laughs> which has got uh, it does have. I went and bought some lovely bread from the bakers this morning. I make Ben's bread, but we buy the other bread. Um, and it's got their own toaster and their own toast, toasty machine and stuff like that in there. But that stays in there, That's as does any butter that um, they use so that it doesn't get cross-contaminated. And it was just the easiest way to manage it, to be honest, because kids aren't very good sometimes at remembering to wipe their crumbs up or not put the dirty, you know, the knife has got crumbs on it in the butter or something. So it was just easier. Right, in here, nothing. In there, you're fine. I love that you have a gluten room. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. Actually, it's not. It's my it, and they'd have to sort of wade over a load of washing. If you saw it, it's like a normal <laughs> house with X amount of people in it. It was this big basket of washing, and then they're over. Brilliant. But it's quite funny because every now and again you can just smell this lovely smell of fresh bread. Oh, don't talk about. It. <laughs> don't mention the B one. Oh, no, the lovely gluten-free bread, bread yeah. making in the yes. oven. <laughs> 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 but I mean, homemade gluten-free stuff always tastes so much better mm. than the shop-bought products as well doesn't it and, I think so but it's like easier it? to make than people would think yeah yeah I mean the forget I put two really easy breads recipes in the book and they are my go-to particularly the focaccia I can knock it up and have it on the table in less than half an hour mm. and it's just I've tried really that it's lovely oh, yes. yeah I lost <laughs> up the club and it was yeah. just it was amazing. And you exactly. told me how easy it was to make. Also great the next day as a toast. Exactly. And, and it's it's not, <laughs> it, it's just easy. And I get that it's not a lovely French baguette or something else. But, um, you know, we put herbs in it. We put all sorts of stuff mm. in it. And it's lovely. So you can do it. It's yeah. not impossible. Mm. So then the journey to your book, I guess, MasterChef was totally the yeah. first step to all of that. Yeah. So and what an amazing experience that must have been for Listeners who don't know, Jane won MasterChef, yeah. which is no easy feat. 
I did, much to my own surprise as much as anyone else's. Oh, I too modest. <laughs> no, I genuinely, um, for years, have been one of those awful people who watch it. I love any cookery programme. Yeah. Normally, yeah. in the background to my life is a cookery programme. Cookery channel, anything I will mm. watch. But I'm particularly addicted to MasterChef. And... Um, I was always one of those awful armchair warriors, you know, to sit there, oh, don't do that, no, that doesn't go in there, no, what are you doing? And my kids kept saying to me, you really should go on this, yeah. you're good enough, and I was, don't be silly, I'm obviously not, and they basically filled the form in, Ben, oh, ben filled the form in. What a great me. bunch of kids. So, um, then I thought, okay, we'll send it off, because I signed it off, and we all had a bit of a giggle, I never thought in a million years they'd even ring me back, because I know how many thousands of people apply for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I got on the show, and when I got on, I just thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well try. Just don't want to go out first, I should yeah. do, and it just snowballed, really. Um, I, I genuinely think anybody who's watched it can see the shock on my face, and, oh. and the actual dawning realisation of, now what am I going to do? <laughs> Everybody else had all these plans, they were going to have a restaurant, they were going to do this, they were going to do this, and there was me thinking... I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. I think that was what was so lovely about watching on it as well. I mentioned to a couple of people I was going to be interviewing you. And it was, oh, she was one of people. Yeah. You were very popular amongst my friends when I was speaking. Yeah, mine as well. So, yeah. I think it's, it's so nice, isn't it, when you see someone very like naturally yeah. happy to I was just I really did. And I think, it, yes, it's incredibly stressful. Yes, I did cry on TV. Yes, I got myself, I was thinking, what are you doing? This is mad. But I love, love food and I love cooking and it's my place of peace. And um, to be able to just, I don't know, any mum will know, spend three months just doing for the first time for years something just for me. Yeah, um, and something just indulging me and the family were so supportive. They were all, I mean, Ben was 13, they were all older and it was just an incredible experience. And I thought, how many times do you get this? I'm going to grasp it. I'm going to absolutely grasp it and run with it and and enjoy it as much as I can. And I did, I loved it. I had a ball. But I really was a bit shocked when I woke up the next morning thinking, okay, now I've got to think something to do with it. <laughs> Somehow or other, I've got to do something with this. So it's been um, a learning process the whole time, really. Was it weird to suddenly be on MasterChef having watched it on the TV? Yeah. So, like, it was really strange. Behind the scenes yeah. and see how it all worked. That was really strange. But, uh, one of the weirdest things I thought that Jeff, John and Greg would come into the green room and go, Hi, I'm making you all feel at home. And then you walk into the kitchen and literally they, they're there and they say, Right, now we're going to start cooking. So oh, I was wow. thinking it would all be a no. Gosh. And they don't have a personal relationship at all with you while you're on the show, to be honest, because. They're quite right. Their personalities affect how you judge. Mm, right. Later on, when you're we were in Mexico, it's a much smaller team, so you get a lot closer and you start talking more. Yeah. But at the time, no. Um, so it, it's the most surreal experience, and it's one of those things you sort of look back on and you still can't quite believe. You know, that's yeah. you. Um, yeah. Did you watch it back? I did. Yeah. I watched it. I never know. I think you kind of like. Oh, but you've got to remember, most people didn't know I'd won. Oh, Apart from my immediate family, oh, nobody knew oh, I'd won. So the the um, sense of excitement, and I, I literally didn't have an Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter account. I had nothing. I yeah. had no idea. And it wasn't until after I won that I thought, well, maybe I should get around to doing these things. So I really was naive in many ways mm. um, and hadn't thought through the consequences of what I was doing. Just kids said, go on the cookery show. I went on the cookery show. I won the cookery show yeah. <laughs> and then was thinking, great. I mean, it's been a real learning experience. Um, and I, I have to say, it's it's fantastic. I, I really enjoy it. I'm just working with things and doing what I love, really. Yeah. 
it sounds like you've always kind of loved food like and I know you said in your book that that kind of came from your parents mm. but as well how did they kind of first introduce you to food and cooking I don't remember ever being introduced to food and cooking really? because we always had um my mum and dad generally didn't have a lot of money my dad was a market trader and he would bring home loads of different ingredients weird and wonderful stuff in the markets probably what was left at the end of the day and I think even in the days before internet or even cookbooks mum had to probably Good Housekeeping and Margaret Patan or something, um, mum would have to cook it. So I think there was that understanding and I'd sit there with my nan and she used to make the most incredible bakes and cakes and uh, oh, she used to make toffee apples and things, you know, and honeycomb. Oh, wow. Amazing. And I just always was surrounded by food and as a family, we are a nightmare. My husband goes mad because literally we go there, what are we eating? Where are we going to go? What we gonna... <laughs> Our whole life revolves around food and eating yeah. and how we've cooked it. And that's just the way we've always been. It's central to us. Um, and I do get quite frustrated when people talk about the continental way of eating and all sitting around a table and everybody showing food. Because to me, that's how you eat here. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's necessarily something they do. That's how I eat in my house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just my life, really. I can't explain it. It's It's... Somewhere in here, isn't it? I'm pointing yeah. to my heart. It sounds <laughs> sounds very corny, but it, it's intrinsic to who I am. Yeah. And then, so how did you get to the point where you were able to write a book? So your brilliant cookbook, which is it's hassle-free, hassle-free gluten-free, gluten-free yeah. um, which I have. And Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, contains <laughs> loads of really, well, quite straightforward, simple gluten-free recipes rather than overcomplicated ones. So how did you get the opportunity to write the book? Well, it's really strange because I think one of the first things people talk to you about when you're in MasterChef is do you want to write a book? And I had in my head, I do get questioned why on MasterChef I didn't say about the gluten-free thing, mm-hmm. but I did that for me. MasterChef was my journey, it was my thing, and I'm not gluten-free. Yeah. But at home, when anybody wanted to be asked about how I cook at home, it was what I cook gluten-free. And I had this idea I wanted to write the book, and I think a lot of people were maybe a little bit, are you sure you want to do something that specific? And I thought, no. Because in my mind, I felt there was a big gap in the market for a very simple, straightforward gluten-free book that people could just pick up and know how to make a basic bread, a basic pastry, um, and and with no fuss and with ingredients that you could source from your local supermarket, Mm -hmm. not having to buy expensive things online, um, and just... That's why I've only used one sort of flour. That's why I only use one sort of thick, you know, xanthan gum. I didn't use any of the other things that we can use. Uh, I was adamant there was a space for it. And I was so lucky uh, that at one of the shows I met Kate Newman from CDAC UK. Oh, yeah. right. And started chatting to her and said I wanted to do this. And she said, oh, well, CDAC UK, it's our 50th anniversary. We'd be really interested. And between my agent and CDAC UK and everything, they wanted to come on board with it. And the whole thing sort of rollercoastered from there yeah. really wow. so it was um I'm really proud of it I think that it to me it represents how I cook at home um and it's just uh, I hopefully what I say throughout the book is this the basic recipe add your own bits then you know make it your yeah. own yeah um but this is just your you know your basic muffin mix add sweet and savory things in do what you want go as mad as you want because people then can build their confidence around yes. it. maybe start with your recipes and yeah like you were saying earlier about learning to cook Middle Eastern food or learning to cook Chinese food, but learning to cook gluten-free food, again, that's a, 
yeah. area, people shouldn't shy away from it or be scared. And like, so most food is gluten-free. We were talking about this. Most fresh food, you get fish, you get meat, you get vegetables, you can get fruit. All of that is naturally gluten-free. And I understand that a lot of the things that kids want, or anybody wants, the cakes, the donuts and things, that's why I put a little donut recipe in there, which is easy to do. So that you don't miss out on things, but you've got your basics. And I think things like pastry, it's really, you know, people want to know how to do that. Um, so and it's lovely. I was talking to you earlier, and you said about the pizza recipe. You're like, oh, it's and I love that feedback. I love the pizza. <laughs> I am Sarah's obsessed. With, I'm obsessed <laughs> with pizza anyway. But your recipe, when I made it, it was the first gluten-free pizza recipe I've made where you can actually knead the dough. And I was like, I remember doing this before I had celiac, and I've like never done it. I mean, that's my favorite recipe. But do you have a favorite recipe in the book? Um, I, I, I do, I have quite a few, but the one I suppose that's closest to my heart is the peanut butter chocolate cheesecake. I nearly, nearly. <laughs> I need to make that. Oh gosh, I nearly never put it in because really? there's wow. so, so little cooking. <laughs> I, I, I was almost ashamed because I'm thinking there's hardly any cooking in this. It's so easy to do, but it looks so spectacular when it comes out because it's, it's, you know, a bit, but also it's Ben's favourite. I designed oh. the recipe entirely around his favourite things, which is peanut butter and chocolate and biscuits. Um, and it just was one of those things I did for his birthday. And now every single special occasion we do, it's can you make that? And it's the one thing that people have fastened on in the book that you yeah. know I keep getting asked about Amazing. and people come back to. That and the bread, I think, is yeah. the uh, the focaccia bread seems to have really caught people's imagination. I'm going to make that next. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some very exciting recipes in there, like gluten-free Yorkshire puddings mm. and the fondue bread yes oh. my oven is currently broken I am dying to make that bread <laughs> like cut it there's cheese in the middle oh just the dream that bread is, is um, <laughs> I do it sometimes when I have people around and generally people don't know it's gluten free yeah and it's got a whole brie in the middle and you cut into it and all the cheese oh, melts oh. out and people oh, are just uh, yeah that's I'm really proud of that one too well I think you told me once before that nearly everything you made a master happened to be gluten free yes. just naturally because that's the way I cook yeah um, which goes to show you can just make amazing yeah. food and people won't necessarily realise exactly. um, I did a tempura batter in the final and that was gluten free oh, yeah. the only thing I think in the final dishes that had any gluten in it I, I used a tiny little finger of toast uh, to put the wrinkles and muscles and stuff on and that was normal toast yeah. but it could have mm -hmm. easily been gluten free bread yeah. you know there was no reason for it not to be but I think it just naturally falls that way it's how I learnt to cook I've done it for the last 18 years 17 yeah. years that's how I do it yeah so is there anything that you're still mastering or anything that you just haven't managed to make gluten-free, like how you want it yet? Um, I do most things, to be honest. Um, the one that I'm working on at the moment, I'm pretty close to, and I'm hoping will come up in the new book, if I do get it right, is flaky pastry. Oh my gosh, Ooh. that would be incredible. And I'm, I'm quite close, actually, um, and I'm really excited by it. But I, I do question them where to put it in the book because it's quite a complicated process, but I think people do want to know something that's a little mm. bit more... Uh, complex. Yeah. Um, nice to have a variety. Mm, from yeah. Definitely. So um, in the book, I put those. Uh, and always looked with longing at those uh, lovely like, caramel. Um, oh, what are they? The ones with the sesame seeds on the bananas and apples oh, at the end. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I went and I really worked hard and I managed to make. That's the most complicated recipe in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you actually make it, it is divine. And I don't think you can tell the difference between the normal ones and the. You know That's the ones great. I mean. What are they? The I crunchy. Know, like, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 
and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to put that in afterwards. But yeah. but so occasionally a complicated recipe needs to be in there, and I think flaky pastry is like one of the things. So yeah. Yeah, I'm mm. I'm very close to doing oh, that. Exciting. So your new book is next year. We yeah. Hope. Oh, I can't say any more. Oh, okay. But I'm busy writing it as we speak. Um. So yeah, you can see. Loads of ingredients to work Ooh, on when you leave. We're <laughs> surrounded by like mountains of veg. It's like amazing. Yeah. Into the green grocers this morning. So yeah, amazing. Um, and then other things you often do various events as well. I went to one of your supper clubs a while mm. ago, which is great. Will you, do you plan on doing any more in the future? And um, supper clubs is difficult because I don't always have the time and the venues. And yeah. obviously, living here is. Okay. I mean, you know, yes, I can. I do do some in Winchester. But at the moment, I'm very busy. Um, I do hope to do another one. And um, I'm hoping to work with one of the chefs soon as well in London, which will be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, I, I do a lot of corporate work as well. So whether it be a cookery school or private dining or stuff like that. Um, and work with chefs in-house with some big corporate companies. Uh, but I do I, I do so much. And that's what I love about it. People say to me sometimes, do you not want to run a restaurant? And no, I don't. Because at the moment... I can be sitting here with you. Last night I was at the supper club. Yeah. Um, at the Darjeeling Express, which was wonderful. I, I I could be all over the country doing stuff. I'm up at York for the CLAC UK conference in a couple of weeks. Oh, amazing. Yeah, which is this podcast be... might come out after that. Yeah, but I think we're on your website can people change. find out about your yes. next talks and upcoming demos. Exactly. Like I that, am so. really, not so much on, uh, on Facebook, I'm updating my events page. Yeah. Do um, I do an awful lot. I, I'm doing Limited New Forest Festivals. And I love presenting, and I think yeah. that's one of my favourite things, is get out and actually meet and talk to people, okay. particularly at the allergy shows. Yeah. Mm. I, I tend to have queues of people, which is wonderful, and people coming to you with all sorts of problems, and uh, wanting to talk to you about food, and MasterChef, and how to cook certain things gluten-free. Yeah. It's, it's a really lovely experience. Brilliant. Oh, I guess what in the show notes for this podcast will include kind of a link to yeah. Jane's website, and all her social media channels, and... Also, if you want any information, (laughs) you can check there for full details. Um, Um, I think we've got one final question that we're going to ask all our guests. Um, So we wanted to know, Jane, what one pile of wisdom do you want to share with our listeners about being gluten-free? I think it's just food would be my... And I generally believe that I meet so many people when they are so tense and uh, scared of what they're eating when they're diagnosed. And I understand it. I know how ill it makes people. I do understand. But just embrace it really because it's going to make you so much healthier and it's not your enemy food is not your enemy it's your friend and if you love it and you will have a much more comfortable relationship with it and I really believe that I think that it's a lot easier to be gluten-free now and um, if you love your food then it becomes a lot more fun as well that is true I love that what a nice way to wrap up yeah, Jane, thank you so thank much. You. You're more than welcome, ladies. It's been so lovely. Right, it's been great speaking to you and so interesting as well. I know our listeners will <laughs> love to hear Ben's story and your Definitely. story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope that you guys enjoyed that chat with Jane as much as we did. It was so lovely to meet her and she had loads of great advice. And if you like this interview, then please, please hit subscribe. And if you're feeling super nice, we'd love it if you left us a cheeky five-star review. Yes, please. That would make our days. Um, And don't forget, you can also email us with any questions you want answered at ocrumbspodcast at gmail.com or find us at ocrumbspodcast on Facebook and Instagram. 
And we'll also be launching a special competition this week. So if you want to win a signed copy of Jane Devonshire's book, Hassle-Free, Gluten-Free, make sure you leave us a five-star review and send us a screenshot either to our Instagram or Facebook and we'll enter you into our competition because you do not want to miss this book. It is great. Next week, I'll be interviewing an awesome celiac gluten-free blogger. Who could it be? It's our very own Sarah Howells. I will be grilling Sarah about all things gluten-free, including her personal celiac disease diagnosis story and her linked thyroid condition. Now, I know Sarah's story will resonate with lots of you. So subscribe to Crumbs now and you'll be one of the first to have a listen. So goodbye for now and we'll see you next week.